Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have this morning to come together to study your word. Father, I just ask that you would help us prepare ourselves to receive your word, that we would hear what you want us to hear, and that we would uh, incorporate it into our lives. Father, we just thank you for everything that you have been doing in our lives. We uh, lift up prayer requests to you, Father. You know the ones that we have in our heart and the ones that have been spoken. We lift up those requests to you to work your will. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you are a, a God that hears our prayers and answers prayers. Father, we just thank you for the gift of your Son, that we are so undeserving of the mercy and grace that you have provided to us through your Son. Again, we just give you all the praise, honor, and glory. All these things I ask in your Son's name. Amen. We are continuing this morning in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Last week, we looked at the verses dealing with um, Paul's instructions to wives, This morning we want to look at what Paul has to say to husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Um, The picture that Paul gives us is husbands are to love their wives the same way that Christ loves his church, his church being the body of believers. So that is the model. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loves his church. What kind of a love is this that Christ has for the church, for the body of believers? Well, it's an unconditional love. Christ loves the church regardless of those days when we don't feel like we're loving God or we don't feel like we're loving Christ. It's not based on his love for us isn't based on our performance If we are really good Christians, he doesn't love us any more or any less than if we're disobedient Christians. It's an unconditional love. Therefore, husbands, our our love for our wife is an unconditional love. It's not based on her performance. It's not based on her um, submission. It's not based on her being a good wife or not a good wife. That has no bearing on it. Our love for our wife is unconditional, regardless of what kind of a wife she is. Christ's love for the church is an unselfish love. Again, his his love for it's an unselfish love. Everything that Christ does for the church is not based on selfish interest or selfish desires. Christ's love for the church is in and and Christ's How Christ works within the church is based on what is best for the believers. Because of his love, it's an unselfish love. His love is based uh, on what's best for the believers. 
Therefore, a husband's wife is, again, unselfish love. It's not about what is best for the husband. It's about what is best for the wife. Unselfish love. Third kind of love that Christ has for the church is a sacrificial love. Christ sacrificed all for the church. Um, you know, it's, you know it, it, and you've heard it a hundred times, I'm sure, that a husband's wife, a husband's love for his wife, based on the model of Christ, should be that he would be willing to die for her. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that, but it's also, it's a sacrificial love in that, yeah, it, it, if it requires you to die for her, you would do it. But just in day-to-day living, it's a sacrificial type of love. You sacrifice your own selfish desires. You sacrifice your own wants. You sacrifice sometimes peace and harmony um, just being in that relationship because we're talking about two individuals that at times aren't going to get along or are going to do things that upset the other person. But the sacrificial love is you work within that to better the situation, resolve the situation, have your wife's best interests in mind, and it's a sac- that kind of a sacrificial love. Yes, unto the point that you would be willing to die for her, but it's not just that, it's everything in between. Um, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter. Do not be bitter toward them. The, in the Greek verb there, it would, if you wanted to translate it like kind of exactly, it would be, do not have the habit of being bitter. And again, we're dealing with human beings. We're dealing with people that aren't perfect. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be times when, you know, a person is upset or angry or whatever. They get their feelings hurt. Let's face it, we're human beings. We hurt other people's feelings. Most of the time we do it unintentionally, but it's going to happen. And, and Paul is just saying here, hey, don't be bitter towards your wife. Regardless of her conduct, do not be bitter towards your wife. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that them being your wives, with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay? Basically, you know, Peter is saying here, um, big thing, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. And again, we, we, these things are done. You give honor to your wife not because she lives a life that deserves it, but you give honor to your wife because she's your wife, and that is how God has created us. And that is how Christ has operated, um, you know, as the example for us. Um, Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and, and again, the weaker vessel, physically weaker, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, superiority or inferiority. Um, you know, I, I read some things where, you know, most of the time, you know, people 
say, you know, the weaker vessel, meaning because she's physically weaker. I read some interesting things where uh, there's some other thoughts about what that means, the weaker vessel. They want to go back to the Garden of Eden, and, and why did Satan tempt Eve instead of Adam? Well, because Satan knew that it would be easier to tempt Eve. You know, I don't know if that's really the point, and I think sometimes we can read more into it than what's really there. But the point being, whatever is the specific meaning of that, and again, I believe it's just because she's physically weaker, um, you know, you are, to, you are there for her. You're there to honor her and to, be, and to have the understanding. Goes on, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. This grace of life refers to the marriage and the, the institution of marriage that God has created, and that you are heirs together in that. Um, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Basically, in a nutshell, what Peter's saying here is this is how you treat your wife with understanding, with honor. You're not harsh, you're not angry, you're not resentful, you're forgiving. You know, that's part of honoring your wife, that's part of honoring her with understanding is that you're forgiving. The whole idea being that when you aren't doing these kinds of things, there's going to be strife in the marriage, there's going to be bitterness in the marriage, there's going to be lack of love in the marriage, and your prayers are going to be hindered. Anytime you have those kinds of things going on in your life, anger and bitterness and harshness, and it's going to have a negative effect on your prayer life to the extent that you probably will even be praying less. Um, so the idea here is by having this type of a relationship with your wife, you're not hindering your prayers in your spiritual life. There, there again, and it goes back to... Christian or not, good behavior, bad behavior. You know, it, it. She's not. You don't honor her and love her based on her performance, based on her spiritual condition. It's you do it because she's your wife. It's not. It's not done. Um, again, it's that unconditional love. There's no conditions. There's no prerequisites. There's no requirements. You love her. You honor her. Verse. Let's see. In in, in verse uh, twenty five. Or Ephesians, yeah, chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ gave his life for the church. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what we're asked to do is to love our wives the same way that Christ did, him having given himself for the church, him having given everything, including his life for the church. And I think that's why it's, it's when it's talking about, you know, that you must be willing to give yourself, your life for her, it encompasses more than just being willing to die for her, but it's, it's giving your life. Your life while you're living is for her. It's being taking, you know, taking care of her needs and, and, and guiding her spiritually and all those kind of things, but you are, you are giving your life for her, putting her, her interests above your interests. And above and beyond that, there's other scripture that tells us about 
just in general, esteeming others higher than ourselves, giving our lives for others. But especially, this is the, the ultimate, is it's done for your wife. Uh, back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Let me read through 25 again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Okay. To sanctify. To sanctify is to purify, to perfect, which is what it says here is what Christ did that he might sanctify the church. Um, and so to purify it, to perfect it. The picture being that as the spiritual leader in the house, that is what you are supposed to do is you are supposed to lead your wife spiritually for that purpose of purifying her and perfecting her. Now, we understand that, you know, in, in a real sense that you as the husband cannot ultimately purify and perfect your wife. But the idea being that as the spiritual leader, your leadership and your guidance will take her in that direction. And that is what your focus is to be. Your focus is to be leading her spiritually toward that perfection, that purification, that sanctification. Um, To the point that her sin should bother you as much as our sin would bother Christ, but that doesn't mean that that causes you to um, lord over your leadership. Um, Your leadership is to lead by example. Because we all know we're all going to sin. I'm going to sin. You're going to sin. Your wife is going to sin. Your husband's going to sin. And your, the, your spouse's sin should bother you because it's falling short for the Lord. But your proper response to that is to lead by example, to set the example. Um, and so that's part of that, um, how we as husbands, um, our duty is to help that sanctification process for our wife. Um, he says here in verse 26 um, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Let me just say something here real quick. This is not referring to water baptism. It has nothing to do with it. What he's saying here is the washing of water by the word. This picture of washing of water is, is a figurative that remains cleansing. You know, you take water and you wash yourself to cleanse yourself. This washing of the water is used about a dozen times in the Old Testament, and it always refers to spiritual cleansing or renewal. So that's what he's saying here. By the washing of water, by the word. How does the spiritual renewal and the cleansing occurs? It occurs through the word. Through God's word is how we receive our spiritual cleansing, our renewal. That's how it's accomplished. Turn to Titus chapter 3. 
Uh, Titus chapter 3, actually it's verse 5, but we'll start in verse 4. says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Again, I just it's that picture of the washing and regeneration is a spiritual washing, a spiritual re- regeneration. At the time that you're saved, your washing, your generation, regeneration is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Throughout your Christian life, you're continual regeneration or well that's not really a good word that's not a proper your continual washing cleansing actually that whole sanctification process is accomplished through God's word that's how we grow um, in 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 our walk is through God's word Uh, John chapter 15 John chapter 15, verse 3, Christ is talking to the disciples, and he's talking about, um, about the, him being the vine and the vine dresser, and he's talking about that. In verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. It's the word of God. It's the word of Christ. It's the word that cleanses us. And I say that to say this that this really shows the importance of God's Word. God's Word is central to all that we do as Christians, to our everyday life, to our growth process as Christians, to our dealing with life situations, just living in general. The Word is central to us. And we cannot survive as a Christian and glorify God and do what we've been called to do if the only time that we're in God's Word is half an hour or 45 minutes or an hour on Sunday morning. We have to be in the Word every day. We have to be in the Word every day. And it's, it's not um, an unusual thing to be in the Word every day from the standpoint that we read in Joshua, Joshua 1.8, where, turn to Joshua, just turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is, Moses is dead, Joshua is now leading the people of, of Israel. Moses has passed away, Joshua is now leading the people of Israel. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Turn to Acts chapter uh, 17. Acts chapter 17, Paul is praising the breeze. He's talking about uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. 
The, peop- the Bereans searched their scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught is correct. The key there is they were in their scriptures every day. Joshua was told as a leader that he was taking over from Moses that to take God's commands and his laws and to have them with him and to go over them night and day, day and night, and to never let them depart him. I can never, 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 never emphasize enough the importance of being in Scripture daily. We have to be in Scripture daily. The biggest threat to a Christian comes from Satan, comes from temptation, comes from sin. Our biggest defense against sin, against temptation, against the powers and principalities that are fighting us Our biggest defense against that is God's Word, and we have to be in it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we get into chapter 6 in Ephesians about uh, putting on the full armor of God, because I've got a lot to say about that. Um, But the point is, the Word is the tools that the husband uses in this process of presenting a pure and sanctified wife to Christ. Okay? In in verse 26 there in Ephesians, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That's the tool that husbands use in the spiritual guidance of their wives, is being in the word, living the word, knowing the word, understanding the word. Okay? Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So that's the picture of what Christ is doing for the church. He's purifying it. He's sanctifying it so that he can present, so the church can be presented to Christ without a blemish, without a spot, without a wrinkle. That's what the husband is doing in his leadership over his wife is that he's guiding her through that process so that she can be presented without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 2. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul, Paul here is talking to the Corinthians, and, and he's telling them that, you know, it's a godly jealousy because he is betrothing those. He is leading the Corinthians. He is discipling the Corinthians so that he can present them as the betrothed um, as a chaste virgin. In other words, it's like, you know, I'm, I am committed to bringing you spiritually to that point where you will be presented to Christ as a, you know, as a chaste virgin, as spotless, as blemished. So that's, that's the picture here of the goal of, you know, husbands have the authority over their wives, but what is the purpose of that? The purpose of that is to guide her so that she will be presentable to Christ. That's kind, of, that's kind of it in a nutshell, what the purpose of it is. One last verse I want to look at, and then I'll wrap that up. Ephesians, while we're in Ephesians, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that show that we should walk in them. And one of those good works that was prepared beforehand for us to walk in is for husbands to love your wife, to have unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love for her, so that with your unconditional love, with your selfless love, with your willingness to be suffering for your sacrificial love that you will have for her, that you will be able to present your wife as the bride of Christ. And, you know, it, it requires, as we've seen, it requires love, it requires honor, it requires understanding, it requires that you're not lording over your wife, that you're not demanding. Love doesn't work that way. That's not how Christ loves his church. So that's the picture of a husband's love for his wife and his duty to God for the position that God has placed him in. Scott, would you close us in prayer, please? Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.